Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Early on, in fact, at the very beginning of Nicomachean Ethics, Book 9, Aristotle is going to discuss a very interesting topic and give us a few guidelines about it. And it's something that he's been touching on quite a bit over the course of his discussions about friendship in Book 8 and also running through Book 9. And it has to do with this notion of trading or gifts or exchange. In a friendship, there is this element, like I put here, it's sort of an integral component of friendship, that there's some sort of exchange that's taking place between the people who are involved in the relationship. And this runs throughout each of the three types of friendship that Aristotle was talking about. Friendship in terms of virtue or the intrinsic goodness of the people who get to know each other for their own sakes and who love each other on that basis. They are going to do things for each other. And then, you know, at the other extreme, we have friendships of usefulness where clearly the people are in the friendship because they're getting something out of the other person. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for them to be in the friendship. And then we have friendship in terms of pleasure, sort of in the middle. And in in that case, it's, it's the pleasure that each is deriving either directly from the other person or by enjoying things together, but in company, which augments the enjoyment that brings them together. So there's an element of exchange in, in all of those. Aristotle says that in unequal friendships, you know, where perhaps one person is virtuous and the other person is useful, or one person is useful and the other person is pleasant, this is going to be a factor as well. There's going to be some sort of giving and, and taking in return. And also, this would apply to the whole range of relationships that Aristotle discusses that we could lump under the the notion familial relationships, right? Relationships between parents and children, uh, spouses, cousins, siblings, all of those involve some sort of giving and taking in return. And so the question that comes up is, well, what provides the measure for it? And Aristotle says, if we look at economic exchanges, you know, like a shoemaker and somebody helping to bring those shoes to market, right? There's going to be some sort of exchange. The shoemaker will come to a bargain that he can live with, and the porter will come to a bargain that, that he can live with, and they will swap things back and forth, goods and services, right? So in a friendship, it's not going to be money, although that functions as the medium of exchange for economic transactions. So what will it be? I mean, we could say, as as we have in other discussions, that it's affection. It's the feeling of friendship towards the other person. You know, Aristotle says in unequal friendships, the person who is sort of on the lower end or who is perhaps not as useful, not as pleasurable, not as virtuous as the other person, they can make up for it by providing the only other thing that they have left, which is greater affection for the other person or perhaps greater honor given to that person. That That's something that can equalize the exchange. But at a certain point, people want to know, what am I actually getting out of this to make it fair? And so Aristotle is going to ask this question, what is going to work this way with friends? What will provide the equalization of value, you might say? 
And so a lot of this, he talks about examples where people get upset with each other and, and get in arguments about this. For example, it's translated here, sentimental friendships, but it's really erotic relationships. The lover and the beloved may complain. He says, the lover sometimes complains that his warmest affection meets with no affection in return. And it may be because there's nothing in him to arouse affection. The person loved frequently complains that the lover who formerly promised everything now fulfills none of his promises. And this is sort of a exaggerated limit point. I mean, that does happen in some cases, but there, there's quite a few instances like that in romantic or erotic relationships where people are going to be saying, look, you, you, you're just not giving me what it is that I want out of this. I'm giving you what it is that you want. Where's my part, right? And we can say this about business relationships. We can say this about sports teams, you know, where people, hey, I pass the ball to you. How can you never reciprocate? You never pass the ball back to me. You just want to be the one to score the goal all the time or get the basket or whatever. And we can go on and on and on with, with examples like this. So Aristotle says it's very important to attend to what is being exchanged and what value it has because people are going to differ over how these things should be evaluated. Some people will say, look, I gave you what it is that I thought you wanted or what anybody reasonable person would want or what you said you wanted in the first place. Why aren't you happy? Why are you complaining? Right? And so Aristotle gives us some, some useful guidelines here. He divides things up into several different kinds of cases. So, for example, in a friendship that's based on virtue, where you are involved with the friend on the basis of who they are, this requires that they have good moral character in order to, to you know, find that part of them attractive and to appreciate that. But let's say that that's there. That would be a paradigm case of this first instance, where when the gift or the service is given for the sake of the receiver, a virtuous person is going to act not in order to get something back out of it, because that's not actually virtuous. They're doing it because they're prone to be generous. They are prone to be courageous, you know, stand up for their friend. They are prone to be just, to give their friend the right measure. They are prone to be witty to the right degree. They are prone, and we can go on and on and on, right? When the gift of the service is given for the sake of the friend and not in order to get something out of it, then who decides what the value of it is? It's not just the person who's receiving it in that case. Aristotle says it's actually the intention of the giver that determines its value. It could be in part because the friend doesn't actually realize what a great gift they are getting from the other person. When we talk about unequal friendships in terms of virtue, the virtuous person acting in relation to the friend who is friends with them because they admire the virtue that person has, but the friend who is only pleasant or useful or perhaps is just a family member and is neither pleasant or useful. In those sorts of cases, the person who is receiving the, the gift, the service, the, the benefit, may not actually realize what it costs or what the extent of it is or how valuable it really is for them. They may, you might say, as we use the expression, take it for granted. Taking something for granted involves a sort of blindness to the genuine value of what is being provided and also its contingency, the fact that it doesn't have to be that way. We talk about people sometimes having a sense of entitlement. This is a safeguard against that aerosol, I would say. It's in this sort of case where you're not expecting anything in return, should there be anything given in return, it 
it's the person who gave originally who gets to say, that's not a sufficient response or, well, you know, that's nice that you did that, but it's nothing like what I gave you. The other person doesn't get to respond and say, oh, they're, they're completely equal, right? And we could extend this into to all sorts of other things as well. I think family relationships are a lot like this, you know, relationships between parents and children. It's not the child who gets to decide unless the parent is explicitly trying to get something out of it. If the parent is being a good parent and doing things for the benefit of the kids and not expecting anything or, or too much or anything even remotely like it in return, it's the parent who gets to decide how valuable that was. Now, in other cases, when there is an expectation of giving so that you get something back, of reciprocation, if not complete reciprocity, then who gets to decide? It's not the giver. In that case, it's either both parties work it out together, or if they can't work it out, the tiebreaker gets to be the person who receives the benefit. This is a really great idea because this precludes people giving things to other people and then saying, oh, hey, I gave you that and that's valuable to me, so it should, of course, be equally valuable to you, so you need to give me something in return. The receiver could say, I didn't ask you for what you gave me. As a matter of fact, your gift came with too many conditions, too many strings. I don't want it. Why are you giving this to me? Or they can say, you know, you gave that to me, but it came at the wrong time. It wasn't helpful when you gave it to me. Or it was too early. Or it wasn't the kind that I needed. Or we can think about the, all sorts of ramifications of this in terms of the gift giving that goes on during the holiday season. And, you know, the fact that people sometimes get a little bit upset when they see somebody exchanging the gift, right? Why does somebody exchange a gift? Well, it could be because they're, you know, really hard up for money and they need the money. In which case, if they're really that hard up and you're their friend, you probably want to help them out. But it could be because you gave them a gift that they simply don't want. They've already got a duplicate of it. Or they don't think that it's, it's, it's something that suits them. It's something that you like, but they aren't really interested in. So Aristotle says that it is the person who receives who gets to determine the value of what it is that they receive. We might also think about re-gifting in this way, right? Sometimes there's like re-gifting that goes on like an entire chain, almost like these chains of that, you know, these necklaces in the, in the South Seas that would circulate around that Marcel Mauss writes about in the book The Gift. Sometimes things like that happen with Secret Santa or in, in families. But in any case, that's the, the criteria here. The receiver gets to decide what counts as a valuable gift or not. And they get to decide what, you know, they should reciprocate with what would be of equal value. Now, Aristotle does have one proviso in here that is extremely important. When that decision is made about the value of the gift, you don't get to make it after you've already consumed the gift or you've had it for a while. Somebody gets you a shirt, you don't get to decide what the value of that shirt is 10 months later on. You have to decide based on when you received it or when you made use of it, right? So if somebody gets me a tie, right, and, and men's ties take a long time to go in and out of fashion, but presumably this tie is not going to be in fashion, you know, 40 years from now, or maybe it'll be retro and it'll be back in fashion. You remember back in the 70s, it was super wide ties with loud patterns. In the 80s, it was those skinny ties, you know, the things that kind of evened out in the 90s and after that. 
If I later on say to somebody who's gotten me this tie, you know, 10 years from now, hey, the tie you gave me really wasn't any good because look, it's out of fashion now. That's an illegitimate thing on my part. Similarly, somebody gets me a box of chocolates and at the time that I get the chocolates, I'm very happy about it because I'm anticipating the taste of the chocolates and how much enjoyment I'm going to get out of it. Now I sit there and I gobble them all up, right? And then afterwards, I, you know, my stomach hurts. And I'm like, oh, those chocolates were not a good thing. I'm not getting you anything in response. Aristotle would say, no, that's not the way that you should be deciding it. You decide on the way in which you valued it before you were intemperate in eating all those chocolates. And so we could go on and on with that. I mean, you know, erotic relationships provide a great example of this. What people value, goods and services, the things that are going to be exchanged in that is, is very different at one time compared to sometimes even just half an hour later. And Aristotle would say, well, that's not fair to the other person. You have to be fair in how you value things. So these are the criteria that Aristotle gives, and I think that if we were indeed to follow these, quite a few of the disputes that typically arise in the course of friendships would probably be smoothed out, because this is very good practical reasoning. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.